This is a reminder you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. This is Encounter with God. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. And we have our 20 million movement Bible study to get into. 20 million people all studying the same passage of the Bible at the same time. But before we do, we just want to make a uh, little announcement. We had uh, Dr. Sven Erstring on earlier answering deep philosophical question about the origin of the universe, the origin of God, where things came from. Is it possible for things to come from nothing, etc.? And he just wanted to say that if you've got uh, some of those deep theological or philosophical or whatever it is kind of question, you know, that uh, an apologetics expert can delve into, then he would be happy to answer those. So send them through for us and we'll get uh, our resident expert to uh, to deal with that. Uh, we do need to have another clue for our quiz. But before we do, just a quick reminder this Saturday morning, Matt Parra, myself right here, 9.30, 10.30. We have a small group interactive Bible study happening right here on Faith FM. So please do join us for that next Saturday morning. Okay, Robbie. All right. So the next clue for the quiz is my father-in-law is Annas. All right. Who might this be? Who might be the son-in-law of Annas? If you know the answer, 1-800-324-843 is the number to call or... Or, or text us on 0491-064-669. So that's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Give us a call right now. Who was Annis's son-in-law? If you know the answer. So, Robbie, it's been good having you on the show here this morning. Mm. I've enjoyed it. You, you've got a bit uh... of an ex- accent. You sound like you come from America, <laughs> but you're actually an Aussie. How, well... does, how does that actually work? Oh, man. I, I think I'm the exception to many rules. Um, I think my wife would tell you that. Okay. Um, I moved here in 2009 from Southern California, Uh beautiful as it is, Yes, and uh, moved to beautiful, sunny uh, New New South South Wales, Wales, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, so what was the question? Um, Just where where am I from? Yeah, where do you come from and how come you've got such an American accent for an Australian? Well, the reality is as soon as you move here at 21 years old, you just can't get rid of it. And some people will tell you... Okay, so you should have moved here at like 19 or something rather instead. Oh, you know, yeah, that two years probably would have made all the difference in the world. <laughs> but the, it's, you know what's funny about, about moving overseas is that you pick up lingo and you pick up certain little bits of accents and then people will tell you when you're checking out at like Big W or, you, you know, you go to Coles, you get to the cash register and someone will say to you, ah, I haven't lost your accent at all. And you're like, okay, ah, thanks. <laughs> and then the, literally, the next time you go to the shops just down the road, two hours later, there'll be another cashier and they'll say to you, wow, I didn't even notice you had an accent. How long have you been in Australia? <laughs> it's just kind of funny that different yeah, people think you're, you're one way or the other. And what I've learned is that when you move overseas, you no longer belong to anywhere. Because when you move back home, they think you sound like an Aussie. And when you come back here, they think you sound like so a Yankee. You just, you just, you just can't you get just it. In you limbo. just can't win, You are just floating in limbo. <laughs> my, my, wife feels, my wife feels your pain. That's right. Um, now, I've met your sister. Have you? Yes. Oh, wow. And she's got way less accent than you do. She's a faker. That's what I, <laughs> oh, that's, that's I said. That's she, how it goes. She's, okay. she's like a chameleon. Everywhere she goes, she picks up the accent very quickly. 
Right. I think she should have been in like, you know, voiceovers. She should have been like the next Robin Williams. She's definitely you know? listened to a bit on the headset for a while and That's she's right. good to go. That's right. She'd be sweet. Fantastic. I did not acquire that. <laughs> what brought you to Australia? Oh, I moved here to um, do a, to, to study. I, I did an outdoor recreation course. I wanted to be a rock climbing instructor and then I was for six years. That was what I used to do for a living. Yep. And um, now what do you do? Uh, so now I'm, a, I'm, I'm starting, a, starting a church, an Adventist church down near Swansea in the Caves Beach area. Or we're called Coast Life Adventist Church, and um, up until COVID, we were meeting every Saturday morning in the the local Swansea Library, powering along. That's right. We we offer Bible studies and other, you know, small groups and and spiritual insight and social connections and all sorts of things. So, so that's now what COVID, we do. Now with COVID, you do the Zoom, the Zoom thing. Yeah, we're, I've, overnight I've become a, uh, a technological genius. Is <laughs> the expectation that everyone has of me? But we, yeah, we've been working with Zoom and doing some online things, and uh, it's, it's been a real blessing. Fantastic. You know, one of the funny things about having the technology in place is that, and this is just kind of comes back to that news story this morning, you make the most of what you've got where you've got it. And it's, it's actually blown me away. We would have a much smaller number coming to any, any of our programs locally, where now we have, you know, in the hundreds of people listening into our program on a, on a Saturday morning. Everybody I'm talking to is, is, is just seeing this massive expansion in their ministry as a result of uh, COVID-19. Yeah, and it's interesting times because th- there's such a communal aspect that's missing in all of our lives. And I think I've noticed it personally that my desire to reach out to friends, even old friends, that I would normally not... You know, I'm not a pick up the phone, call your friend every day kind of guy. That's just not me. I'll, if, if you're there, I'll, I'll talk to you. <laughs> sure. Yeah, no, I, I love understand you. that. No less, but if you're there, I'll talk to you. But uh-huh, I found uh-huh. that even, even me, I've been just calling people for video calls and trying to connect with people that I would normally not be able to see. And man, it's just, it, I think it just, it just points out the reality that all of us are so deeply designed for connection. Yes. And we need that. Yes. We need that. And I think that this has just highlighted that for us because as soon as it's taken away, it's just the thing that we're all scrambling for. You know what I mean? Isn't it amazing how stressful it is not to be connected to people? Oh, it's incredibly stressful. You know, in the past, I would find, you know, opportunities for some solitude and mm. look forward to them when they came along. Yeah. You know, like a long road trip by myself, I can just, you know, feel sit, be- sit behind that steering wheel. Watch the road go past underneath me, and just you know, listen to your friends on the radio. Yeah, listen to listen to Faith FM radio, <laughs> and and just think about things and commune with God, or or uh, you know, times at home when you get mm. that. You know, in the past when I used to work in Sydney, in the in the centre of the city, at l- every lunch hour I'd just go to yeah. the beach, sit on the beach, and stare out to the ocean. Yeah, and now you know, we have that enforced upon us that social distancing, and suddenly it's really stressful. It is, isn't it? Yeah. It's suddenly I'm just longing for those conversations that I used to avoid. <laughs> <laughs> ah, fantastic. Well, we, um, we wish you all the best down there, Robbie, and you've got uh, plans for more than just Zoom Church. You've got plans here for Faith FM Radio as well, so yeah. we wish you God's blessing with uh, the potential to get an afternoon show up and running. Yeah, it's exciting and I'm super a little nerve-wracking, exciting. but I'm uh, super <laughs> stoked about it. And I understand that your wife is on board with this? Yeah. We'll when see. did you we'll get married? See. So we only got married February 9. It's good that I February, remember that. This I've only year, been married for two year. months. That's it. This two, year. Two and a half. So welcome to marriage. Trial okay. run. First go. You get home off the plane and it's 
quarantine. <laughs> you <laughs> now least, go uh, from not spending a significant amount of time together to living in each other's back you pocket can't go all day, every else. day. I was thinking about it and I was thinking, I haven't, there hasn't been a day since that I haven't spent significant hours with my wife and that's great yeah but it's just a, it's just a big change isn't it that's a massive um, change you know i'm working yeah. from home she's le- looking for work at the moment so we're just we're there all the time with each other uh-huh. it's just crazy yeah it's good well that's it's good um, by the way she's probably course, listening right now going robbie what are you saying but it's very good she's wonderful yeah, there's this and, thing called radio and when when you're on the radio everybody gets to hear that's right <laughs> <laughs> Nah, it's good. She and, helped him um, with the news this morning. She, she was you're awesome. You're just having an extended honeymoon. Yeah, that's that's it, really. Just extended honeymoon. I just have to work awesome. in, in between on the computer for hours upon hours a day. <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> While your eyes go blurry with Zoom. Mm. Okay, so let's uh, let's head to our Bible study. Um, we were, yeah, got a bit distracted from that, but that's all good. It's good to hear it, to get to know Robbie a little bit and hear about uh, his plans for doing something here on Faith FM Radio along with his wife, so it should be amazing. Okay, so our Bible study today is all about the unity of Scripture. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. And Robbie, I'm wondering whether you can share that one with us. That is... Awesome, and it says... 2 Timothy 3 verse 16. 2 Timothy three sixteen. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness... And you kind of have to read verse 17 as well, <laughs> don't you? It's not listed in our Bible study, but how, how can anybody read verse 16 without not reading verse 17? That's right. So, and instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Love it. Great verse right there. Mm. Okay, so what we're going to look at is the unity of the Bible. Now, the unity of the Bible from a... From a secular perspective, from a, from the standpoint of normal human behavior, is something that is impossible. Mm. And the reason it's impossible is because it was written over a 1,400-year period by a multitude of different authors. Yeah. And when you've got a period that is that long and you've got 40-odd different authors, there is no way that you're going to get any kind of unity. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Have you ever tried to co-write anything? I have. I'm actually a songwriter and uh, man, it's tough to write with other people. Okay, imagine if you had to co-write a song. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> with with <laughs> with, four, with, with with 40 odd other people. Oh, Right? There, there, there are fewer things that would rob me of sleep at night. <laughs> okay, but now what you've got to do, let's think that you're Moses mm. and you get to write the first five verses. Mm. But you have to write those in such a way that over the next 1,400 years from today, mm. people are going to be adding to that song with perfect unity. And yeah. they're going to bring their passion into it. They're going to bring their ideas into it. They're going to, um, you know, and of course, you know, you look at your first five books of Moses, they're fairly extensive books. Mm. And they're in no way going to contradict anything that you say. It's just, Would that's, that, that's an impossible task. It's an impossible task. Absolutely impossible. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Okay, and so what you've got is that this is actually what happens. Mm. Now, let's say that you're doing this and the people that are following you, 
they don't even know that that's what they're going to be doing. That's right. You know, until they until the Holy Spirit comes on them, and one day they're inspired, and away they go. Now, of course, when you throw the Holy Spirit into the mix, that changes everything. It does because now you have the true author coming through, and when you've got, and I think this is one of the things that people miss when they look at the Bible. They think of forty odd different authors. There's actually only one, mm. and that's the Holy Spirit. That's right. Who works through different individuals here on this earth, and because he works through different individuals on this earth, they bring their flavor to it. Which is nice. It certainly means that you know each one of the different books, each one of the different authors has their own style. Thankfully, yeah, because everybody had Otherwise, the style it of. I'll be Leviticus. Yeah, if everybody <laughs> had the style of Leviticus, we oh my goodness, ouch. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that's not saying I don't like Leviticus. Leviticus is the most amazing book ever. It's just the first time you read it, it will bend your brain. Yeah. Uh, but you know, if everybody wrote like Paul. Oh man, there yeah, would be the a, there would be a like certain Romans, it'd be tough. there would be a certain demographic, and I would say a fairly small one that would love it. That's right. I just thank God that we have John who comes along and writes stuff that is like super simple and straightforward and basic, except for Revelation, of course. Um, but you read, you know, John's Gospel, John's letters, and it's just really, really simple scaled down language that mm. a simple person like me can understand. That's right. And then you get uh, others that get uh, launched into uh, Romans and whatever and Galatians and just they froth love nothing else. They, they absolutely it. froth on it. Okay, so let's come back to this passage here. The Bible says that how much of the Scripture in verse 16, there's a key three-letter word right there. Mm. Oh, all the scripture is good for doctrine. Let's stop there for a moment. Yeah. If the Bible was not united, would it be possible, if there wasn't a perfect unity for, from one end of the Bible to the other, would it be possible to teach doctrine from the Bible? No. Why not? Because it wouldn't be unified. You'd be getting different ideas from left and right and up and down, and they wouldn't match. They'd contradict each other, That's wouldn't exactly they? exactly right. You would have John, who's writing at one end of the Bible, who would be contradicting Moses, who wrote at the other end of the Bible. That's right. Now, hey, can I ask a question? Because some people, that word doctrine is a pretty churchy word. It is. What, what does that mean? Thank you for asking that question. It means teaching. Teaching. So the teachings of the Bible. That's right. What does the Bible teach on a particular subject? Mm. You know, that's interesting. I, I kind of asked you a question I knew the answer to, but not everybody knows that, right? That's an important thing to know. But in the Greek, it actually even specifies a bit deeper and nuances that it's applied teaching. So it's got Ooh, practical application in the real life. There you go. And I love that because so often people get this idea that when we're talking about the Bible or any religious text, that doctrine is this, is bad uh -huh. and it's disconnected this from whole, real life. This whole thing of doctrine divides. That's exactly not you know what we're trying to find here. We're trying to find what it is that's going to unite us in Jesus in what yes. he's leading us to do in the truth and in love, taken together into real practical application. Love that. And this is the simple reality. Mm. You can't find Jesus without doctrine. That's exactly right. Because doctrine is teachings, and as you just pointed out, I'm going to have to wrap my head around this one now. It's going to <laughs> my little mind-melting moment for the morning. I like how that went. Mind melting moment uh, <laughs> for the morning is that it, this is teachings applied, mm. and so without the teachings of the Bible that teach you about Jesus and show you how to apply that in your life, Jesus is irrelevant. That's right. 
Yeah. Some people come like, oh, yeah, we just have Jesus. We don't have doctrine. No, you don't. If you have Jesus, you have doctrine. That's it's right. that simple. That's right. Uh, it's something that is impossible to escape. Okay, so the Bible says that all of the Scripture is profitable for doctrine, all of it for, what's the next one there? Reproof. Now, that's not a word that we probably like <laughs> if we know what it means, and probably a lot of us don't, aren't exactly sure what that means either. I have a, I have a relative who once told me that he had the, been given the ministry of reproof. Oof. Now, I can, I can talk about this because he has passed away, sadly. Uh, but yeah, it's a little bit like that, isn't it? So what, like, what, what does reproof oof. mean? Because uh, I had to look this up when, oh, I, okay. when I read this. Cause right. Reproof means telling you you are wrong. Oof. Yeah, can you imagine feeling that that was your gift in life? <laughs> I, was like, I think I've of, met people that feel that way. <laughs> what kind of a person is that? I mean, seriously, it's just like... Sometimes I feel like most... that might be me. And I, uh, that's, I hate when I feel that coming out of yeah, my life. Yeah, no, no, no. It's not, what we're, not where we want to be. That's but right. the Bible doesn't shy away from it. I mean, no. my relative sadly ended up worshipping by himself mm. for probably the last, I don't know, maybe 15 years of his life or so. Mm. And... It was a you know, it was a miserable existence because he pretty much reproved everybody who walked through his front door, and it was interesting because he reached a point where uh, he just started calling people up one day and making apologies for the you know the way he had behaved mm. towards them and so forth, and making things right. Mm. And a very short time later, he died from a heart attack just suddenly. Yeah. And so God really reached out and touched his heart, and it was a very powerful testimony, yeah. you know, to me, uh, to see how God worked at that particular time. Because we, so, you know, it was sort of like that one member of the family that we, uh, yeah, we weren't always. How should I put it? We weren't always. I'm, I'm missing the right word that I'm looking for, but we weren't. Just, we didn't always talk about it in the nicest possible way. Yeah, yeah. Because like, oh yeah, the guy's got the ministry of reproof and it's just like, ooh. But mm. reproof is a real thing. The Bible doesn't shy away from it and there is a time and place for it. That's certainly, the important thing. Certainly, um, And would reproof be possible without the unity of Scripture? No, because you could just pick and choose this versus that, that versus this. And, you could and say you say take, take something you want, from Moses... You? And say, well, I can reprove people from this passage in Moses, but it might be contradicted in Revelation. And mm. so you come to reprove that person from the passage you've got in Moses, and they pull out their passage from Revelation and throw it straight back in your face. That's right. So reproof is impossible without the unity of Scripture. Mm. Okay, let's look at uh, what do we got there. For, so the, the it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. Oh, man, how does you know you read this and you're like. Reproof was, was tough, but correction, like just to layer an extra uh -huh. level to it, you know uh -huh. what I mean? So not only telling you that you are wrong, but saying, okay, now, Robbie, because you were wrong, let me tell you how to make that right. So this is what you need to do. Who likes to be told what to do? Not me. <laughs> no way. No way in a million years do any of us like to be told what to do. You know what I love about this? It's funny um, how, how, how God just works things to be useful, like, I, I presented on this topic a few years ago, and there's just so many nuances in this in this this little text. I love this the 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 word correction in the original language has an implication, and it says that some, it's to make something suitable because it's straight. 
You've done some serious study on this text. I have. It just happened to be this text. But it means restored to its original or proper condition. So think about that. Like, we are all bent, you know? The Bible yeah. makes it very plain, and our, our lives make it very Corrupt. plain. We, we're bent from the, the, the original design. We're, yes. we're, we're twisted. We're perverted. You, you know, throw whatever word you want to at it. And the what Bible God's says, correction is about. Des- the human heart is desperately wicked above all things. Mm, Who can understand it? That's right. And so the purpose of the correction is not to, it's not to give you like a, you know, a philosophical backhand. It's actually to bring you into restoration of your original design. Absolutely. Back to the image of God's love. That's amazing. Okay, we're going to move on, and we'll be back to talk more about this in just a moment. But right now we have the Cox family. Will there be any stars in your crown? Will there be 
That was the Cox family with Will There Be Any Stars in Your Crown? You're with Robbie and Lyle this morning in our Encounter with God section. Hey, Robbie, I have a question I've got to ask. Yeah, yeah. Please do. So I love questions. You're, you've just got married. Yeah. And your wife has been thrown into isolation with you for the last uh, couple of months, like straight after the wedding. That's right. God, you've have gone from wedding, wedding to honeymoon <laughs> to isolation. Yeah. Is she starting to pick up your accent? Um, a few, you know, there's a little bit there. Does, uh, there's okay. a little bit of the, the R starts to come in a little bit. I think, I think it's mostly like, you know, you know how people, when they, 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 they want to make like impress you. They, they start, they like you. They, they start to kind of mirror some of your attributes. I think that's what it is. Uh, <laughs> that's how it goes. That's how I can see how this guy, yeah, this works. What'll be interesting is when the kids come along because my kids their entire life have had people ask them where they come from. Oh, yeah. And they've only lived in Australia, but they have an American mum. So <laughs> a bit of that accent sneaks yeah. in there. Good, good fun. Uh, quiz. What's our next clue? All right. Our next clue on the quiz is after Jesus was brought to Annas. Anna sent him to me. Okay. Who is this So that person? gives you a bit of a clue. It's definitely it New Testament, isn't it? It's definitely New Testament. It's Jesus is involved and Jesus is being sent. That's right. Places. Possibly against his will. Mm. Okay, so who might this be? Well, you can have an argument over it against his will or not, but you know that's the that's the kind of the implication. Okay, if you know the answer, <laughs> give us a call. One eight hundred three two four eight four three is the number to call, or text us on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine, and there will be a prize coming your way, booked by Jack Blanco on Daniel and Revelation. Mm. Okay, Robbie, I was going to move on to the next verse in our Bible study, which is Titus. Ooh. But I had you one, were super keen. I was super keen for the next word because uh, you've been studying this passage in depth. And the Bible says that all Scripture is inspired of God, is profitable, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness. Awesome. So this word is amazing. Okay. You ready? Yes. Ready to lay it down? Three? Bring it on. All right. So in the Greek, the word is paideia. Yeah. Okay. Sounds weird. Yep. It has nothing to do with pies. It's okay. So That's what it actually means is instruction that trains someone to reach full development, full maturity. In other words, the entire training of a child. And what I love about this, think about this. So, so God's word is, is set up in such a way that as it's applied into our life, as God speaks to us, we begin this journey like a child of learning and growing and becoming more and more the way we were designed to be. And then just think about this. This is what I love about this. Can you remember learning to walk? No. Of course not, right? But you've had children, so you've obviously taught people to walk. No. No? I just modeled it. You modeled it. Well, that's good. I have modeled walking. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's I good. tried to keep, teach my kids how to walk. You hold their hands and like, oh, make your feet go. And it's like, yeah, no. Until they decide to walk, then. But yeah, I've modeled walking. Yeah, yeah. So when you were modeling walking, how often did they fall? Like all the time. All the time. That's what nappies are for. That's exactly right. That's padding. Big padding. And what I love about this is that in a similar way, when you're teaching a child, they don't know how to do the things properly at first. And it might be a long journey of falling, getting up, falling, getting up, falling, getting up. But this is the kind of instruction that God's word is going to do for us. We will not get it the first time. We probably won't even get it the thousandth time. We're going to learn as we go. And I yeah, love that because God amazing. is like, just like a father, you, you know, you held the hand of your child when they stumbled. 
You picked them back up. You encouraged them. You got them to walk towards you. Sometimes you walked behind them. Sometimes you hold them up while they're walking. And they're not actually doing any of it. You're doing all of it. And it's just this beautiful relational picture of how the journey of faith goes with God. That's phenomenal. So particularly, particularly now, that brings so much depth to verse 17. Mm. You know, the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That's right. You've got, okay, how does that actually happen? Well, it happens because God is there to hold our hands, to train us through that process That's right. of becoming more and more mm. like him. Um, Jesus came to this earth. He modeled for us how to do it. Um, and then he holds our hand through that process. Mm. Isn't that beautiful? That's actually the that's actually the per, that, that's actually the per, well not the perfect uh, illustration because there is no such thing as a perfect illustration <laughs> when it comes to God. But it's a very good illustration because yeah, we do model how to walk and we do hold our kids' hands mm. while they learn it. Beautiful. My mind is blown. Let's go to Titus chapter 1 and verse 9. Titus chapter 1 and verse 9. If you could read that one for us, please. Robbie. All right. It says, Holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by this, or sorry, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. Okay, so once again, we've got this. (laughs) It does, doesn't it? Um, Once again, we've got got this, this. this uh, concept coming through here of holding fast the faithful word that you know has been taught to us and that we may be able by sound doctrine to exhort and to convince. Okay, you like, you like words that have a good ring to them? Uh-huh. I'm going to give you a KJV word here. All right, give it to us. Lay it to down. exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Ooh. Have you ever met a gainsayer? I am not entirely sure what that means, to be totally honest <laughs> yeah, with you. No. I think I actually read that yesterday it's and a, looked it up, and, and I can't remember. <laughs> it's a pretty wild word, though, isn't it? Yeah, so what does that mean? It's basically somebody who's teaching error. Okay. Uh, I'm not really sure where that word comes from, but it, I don't know. I just, at a very surface interpretation, it kind of looks like one of these people that interprets error for the purpose of gain. Oof. They're gaining something by what they are saying. Oh, that's, I, I, that's, I don't know. that's intentional. You know that has that has it. It, it does have a level it of has, intentional. It has devious implications, doesn't it? Now, when we look at it in the context of our world today, do we have those kind of people who teach the word of God for gain? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, and you know, it's it's. And let's be honest: we anybody who's in a position where we are ministering the word of God is at risk of falling into that trap. Yes, and I think that's an important distinction to make. Yes. I could be at risk of falling into that trap. You could be, just as much as anybody else. Absolutely. Mm. I think probably the standouts, though, are the ones that sort of, you know, the secular world looks at Mm. and they just hate on Christianity because they see people who are depriving, you know, people who really, really need their resources from their resources just so that they can become fabulously wealthy yeah you know i was looking at uh, i think it was a list of like you know the 10 wealthiest preachers in the world and like half of them came from nigeria wow and that kind of said a whole lot to me right there because nigeria is the capital the world's capital of scams yeah and you sort of think okay this is one of the world's most dirt poor needy countries mm. 
and you've got these guys there that are absolutely fabulously wealthy and they've accumulated that wealth for themselves. Yeah. And I find that really disturbing. Mm. Now, a lot of people could look at you, you, know, you and I yeah. and say, well, you're fabulously wealthy compared to somebody who's living in uh, you know, the back blocks of um, Ethiopia or somewhere like that yeah. and could make the same accusation. And so it's one of those things, as you say, we need to be aware of it ourselves. We need to be careful of it ourselves. And we need to... Um, we need to allow God to change our hearts so that we don't fall into that same trap. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so one of the things that uh, we're going to find here is that Scripture is unified in the character of God. Um, And uh, there's another passage here that I have not actually written down right now, but basically what it comes down to is this. Scripture is unified in the love and in the faithfulness of God. Mm. And that's critically important for us to understand as a principle of understanding what it is the Bible says. This is uh, Anders Venson with I Met the Saviour.
Our team here at Faith FM want to encourage you to share God's love with those around you, to stay positive and to stay connected in this virus season. Check on your neighbours, especially elderly neighbours, as they may be unable to visit the shops or see family due to quarantines. A phone call, a note under the door offering support or a letter in the mailbox is the best way to make contact with our older folk and vulnerable people who may be self-isolating. Little things like this make a huge difference to someone who might be struggling to get by. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Is forgiveness, or the lack of forgiveness, eating away at you? A relationship breakdown maybe, long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. You know, it can be dealt with. If you want to break the cycle and start living a more forgiving life, Forgive to Live is a program designed to help us all improve our lives and be more forgiving. Don't let it eat away at you anymore. If you're keen to discover the power of forgiveness, why don't you take that first step and head to forgivetolive.org.au.
Back, guys, that was Malvinus with Shall We Gather at the River here on Faith FM. We have come to question of the day time. Before we get there, we just had this comment that has uh, come in from uh, Chris, and he says, My answer to the last question on Monday's Bible study is pray, be patient, keep studying God's Word. That's an answer to a question that was actually in the study guide for the 20 million movement which talks about what do you do when you find Bible passages that appear to be contradictory. Anyway, question of the... Oh, quiz, clue, and then question of the day. All right, so the next clue for the quiz is, I charged Jesus under oath to tell us if he was the Christ, the Son of God. Okay. Who was that? If you know the answer, give us a call, 1-800-324-843, and we will send you a prize or text us on 0491-064-669. Robbie, what's our question of the day today? All right, the question of the day. So question of the day will be, Is sorry, what does the Bible say about plastic surgery? Very little. That's yeah, that's true. The Bible has very, taking, very there wasn't little, a lot of it. There was not a lot time. of that going on. I did a quick search for uh, what the Bible has to say about plastic surgery. And so, in answering this question, I want to divide plastic surgery into three different categories. Okay, what are those categories? So, we're going to look at elective plastic surgery, non-elective plastic surgery, and correctional plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, non-elective plastic surgery is basically where a plastic surgeon is putting your body back together as a result either of an operation or a traumatic injury or something like that. Okay. And it's basically a life-saving procedure. Yeah. It's also going to be applied when somebody has, you know, massive, you know, particularly facial disfigurement, that kind of thing. Once again, usually as a result of a traumatic injury. Mm. And so that's that's your non-elective plastic surgery. Your elective plastic surgery is like, you know, I'd like to get this changed or that changed or the other changed and we can see lots of celebrities who have had a crack at it and some of them have gone better than others and some of them that, yeah. you know, have that, that permanent smile plastered on their face and it's like, what on earth were you thinking when you went down that path? Yeah. But it's kind of, uh, that's your elective plastic surgery. And then you have correctional plastic surgery. This is a situation where... Okay, you don't need to have it for health reasons, but it would improve your health and your quality of life if you did. Yeah. Okay. But it's not placed into that, you know, if you if you go to uh, through the public health system and say, hey, I want to get this done, they'll say, yes, there is good justification for that being done, um, and we will put you on a waiting list. Yeah. If it's non-elective, then... You won't be on a waiting list. Okay, you, you just you'll just be rushed straight through, and it's like yeah. get this person into surgery as fast as we can. Okay, so what does the Bible say about this? The Bible has nothing to say about 
non-elective plastic surgery. Mm. But the Bible does have a lot to say about staying alive. Yeah. And good health is an important part of you know what the Bible teaches. And, of course, when surgery is needed to stay alive, surgery is needed to stay alive, and sometimes that's going to involve plastic surgery. Mm. And, of course, that can equally be applied to correctional plastic surgery, which may be the result of being on a waiting list. Mm. Okay, so, for instance, if somebody has... You know, I have a friend, and this is not the perfect example, but I have a friend who has a disability in that their hips gave out and so they ended up in a wheelchair. Mm. Because they're still mobile in a wheelchair, it's not non-elective. It's elective surgery. Now, this is not plastic surgery. This is hip replacement. But it's elective surgery. They've got to wait like 18 months to to have that surgery because, you know, they're going through the public health system. Mm. But should we say, no, you stay in a wheelchair for the rest of your life? Um, No, we don't say that. So correctional and... So, so correctional and non-elective plastic surgery is in the realm, the area of health, and the Bible supports good health. The Bible supports doing whatever we can to maintain our quality of life because the better our health, the better and stronger that relationship with God can be. The real question comes in, comes in over non-elective plastic surgery. And some people would place this in the category of dealing with mental health issues and I'm not an expert in mental health and so I'm not going to comment on that but there are a couple of uh, principles here Uh, probably the the one standout verse is the one that you find in Leviticus chapter 19 where it says you shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead nor print any marks upon you I am the Lord and so this refers to an ancient form of plastic surgery that was a part of their worship Mm. God says don't be going there it was a part of idolatry don't be doing those kinds of practices if it's part of your culture um, that is linked to a pagan religion. That is not something that we should be practicing. The Bible does say that we are each the individual creation of God. Mm. And that sometimes we look in the mirror and we deplore ourselves when God looks at us. He loves us because he created us. He does not look on the outside. He looks at what is on the inside. And the place where we really need plastic surgery is on the inside. And the surgeon who can perform that kind of plastic surgery is God. Mm. And so we need to invite God to perform plastic surgery on the inside to change the appearance of our heart because Mm. that's the part that he sees to actually change our mind to become like God. This is Tim Moore. Come go with me.
Tim Moore with Come Go With Me, this little light of mine. We've come to the end of our show, which means that, Robbie, this is the end of your first breakfast show. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been awesome having you on the show. It's been a privilege. Uh, we have a free offer to give away. This is going to go to the first caller through. So who? What, what is our offer today? So the free offer today is a book called Who Do You Think You Are? Finding Life Through Real Faith by Doug Batchelor. Okay, so Doug Bachelor books are always incredibly popular here. Of course, he's a uh, television evangelist from the United States. And if you are the first caller through, then this book will be coming your way. So give us a call right now. 1-800-324-843. What's our text number there? Our text number is 0491-064-669. There you go. Okay, so give us a call uh, and you'll be able to get your copy of that book by Doug Batchelor. Before we finish up, I just want to mention that I was down at the Media Network yesterday at Hope Channel. We were there, a uh, kind of a sister organization to Faith FM. And while I was there, I was at the Discovery Center Bible School looking over some of the new courses that they have available. They have this amazing new course called Forgive to Live. Awesome. And this one has just been roaring off the shelves. You can do it entirely for free. If you'd like like to do that course for free, then give us a call and we can connect you with the Discovery Center and make that happen. So 1-800-324-843 is the number to call to do Forgive, Forgive. And as we go through this day, don't forget to talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you. At the edge of the water, memorial of the miracles he gave to thee, that all the people of the earth might remember that the hand of the Lord's mighty. God told Joshua to lead his people, as I was with Moses, I will be with thee. I will never leave or forsake you, but set the people free. Joshua spoken to his people, said, Sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you, and you will surely be blessed. Stacking up the rocks at the edge of the water, memorial of the miracles he gave to thee, that all the people of the earth might remember that the hand of the Lord's mighty. Priest carrying the ark of the covenant to the raging Jordan side. Brave and courageous, they stepped in the water and got work before they arrived. The water stopped flowing, the riverbed dry, they all crossed to the other side. Twelve men back to the middle of the river, carrying rocks to remember by. Stacking up the rocks at the edge of the water, memorial of the miracles he gave to thee, that all the people of the earth might remember that the hand of the Lord's mighty. God still with us in this world of trouble, gives miracles every day. Has he worked in your
your life, brother? Have you shown it in some way? Well, are you stacking up the rocks at the edge of the water? Memorial of the miracles he gave to thee. That all the people of the earth might remember that the hand of the Lord's mighty. Stacking up, stacking up the rocks at the edge of the water. Memorial of the miracles he gave to thee. That all the people of the earth might remember that the hand of the Lord's mighty. So that all the people of the earth might remember that the hand of the Lord is mighty. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11, verse 1. You're listening to Faith FM.
they fail.